Now this morning we're starting a brand new series and, um, and we're calling it Open Heaven. Open Heaven. How many of you like the ring of that? Open Heaven. And this series is about, is dealing with financial management. And how many of you now, you don't like Open Heaven now? But you know, it's, it's a series dealing with, with financial management. And I, I look back and it's been over, it's been over two and a half years since we did a series on financial management. And, uh, if you're our guest today, I just want you to know that, you know, we're, we're not about like, you know, gimme, gimme, my name is Jimmy kind of church. We have tithe boxes on the walls. We teach tithing. We teach financial stewardship. And then we give the people the opportunity to decide whether they want to obey that or not. Amen? And so, um, you know, it's important that we talk about it. It's a critical subject that every church and every pastor should teach. Don't you agree? Well, the reason why is because you can't separate your spiritual life from financial management. Really, I think that a great measure of the spirituality of a person is how much they can release finances. That's way too quiet now. Come on. Oh, y'all got to help the brother out here this morning. I heard some crickets. Come on, say amen. Come on, amen. You know, listen, you know, how we manage our finance directly affects the spiritual life and health of every believer, right? And, the, you know, I don't know if you knew this or not, but the Bible talks more about handling finances than it does heaven and hell. Jesus talked more about finances than he talked about faith or prayer. Over 2,000 verses of Scripture directly deal with financial management. Now, why do you think the Bible is so saturated with Scripture like that? Well, I think it's because God knew we needed it. God knew this would be an issue. God knew that how a person manages finances will directly affect his spiritual life. That's why he talks about it so much. So if you don't like talking about finances in church, take it up with God. He's the one that put all this stuff in there. But you got to ask the question, why? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. It's required. I don't know if you realize this or not, but the money that you have is not your money. It's God's money. You say, no, I worked for that. Well, yeah, but you had to borrow his air to go work. Amen. He loaned you some air so you could get up in the morning and go work. Amen. But the Bible makes it very clear that faithful financial management is essential to receiving true blessings and riches from God. It's essential. And so Luke chapter 16, 11, Jesus kind of, he frames it like this. He says, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? You know, I think there's a misconception in our minds that our money is our money. You know, I heard somebody say they gave uh, somebody a $100 bill 
and, uh, and, and during their sermon, they said, uh, I'm looking for $100. Would anybody give me $100? And this guy in the front row jumps up and says, I'll give you $100. And he, he gives them $100. People in the congregation go, man, dude, you are generous. He said, well, it wasn't my money. It was his money. And he gave it to me. Whenever you realize whose money is it, it makes it a whole different story. But I can tell right now just by talking, some of you say, that's my money. That's my money, buddy. Don't you be messing with my money. No, really, whenever you realize it, it is your money. You worked for it. You earned it. You received it, whatever. But it's really, it's really God's money that he requires us to be faithful with. And that's what he says there in verse 11. If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So Jesus makes it perfectly clear that true riches, God's wisdom and blessing, comes by faithfully handling worldly wealth. Now, every believer faces the potential of being spiritually robbed by mishandling wealth and riches. A lot of times we put, you know, we put our, our wealth on one side and we put God on the other side and we don't want them two to touch. But you can't do that. You can't put God on one side and your money on the other side. He's going to touch your money. And your money is going to touch your relationship with God. It does every time. Amen? Amen? So listen, money has a way of robbing us of God's blessing. And that's why I believe God talks so much about it in the scripture. Matthew illustrated it this way when he tells this story. In Matthew 19, we talked about it a few weeks ago, but we're going to look at it again. Someone came to Jesus with this question, Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? Jesus said, Why ask me about what it is good? Jesus replied, There's only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones? The man asked. Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the man said, oh, I've obeyed all these commandments. The young man replied. What else must I do? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions. Give the money to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away very sad for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It is easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, the eye of a needle was this little gate in the, in the wall, the city wall. And the camel is like this, like maybe this high, you know, like this. And for a camel to go through that, it was nearly impossible. But they said for a camel to go through that, one thing for sure, if he was going to get through the eye of the needle, the hole in the wall, he was going to have to get the backpacks off of his back to get through that wall. And he says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, before you say, well, that story doesn't relate to me, brother. I'm telling you, I'm barely paying my bills right now. But now, hold on. If you own a house or a car, if you make more than a couple of, or receive more than a couple of hundred dollars a month, 
in worldly, in the world's standards, you are rich. You are a wealthy person. You see, most Americans by world standards are rich. And so listen, notice this rich man was basically a good person. It wasn't like he was a heathen. I mean, listen, he wasn't a murderer. He didn't commit adultery. He didn't steal from others. He didn't testify falsely. He honored his father and his mother. He loved his neighbor. Oh, my goodness. This man was probably more godly than some of us in here today. But yet, there was still something holding him back. That's why he goes to Jesus and say, man, I'm doing this stuff. Why I can't get to the kingdom of God? And so Jesus says, well, you got a slight problem. What was holding this man back? Jesus said it was his, it was his possessions, which I'm thinking he got with his. I think your money could be considered your possessions, right? But it was his possessions that was holding him back from true riches in heaven. The bottom line is either we will allow God to teach us how to manage our money or our money and possessions will really control and manage us. Isn't that true? Either we will master our money or our money is going to master us. See, every believer faces the potential of being mastered by money. And it doesn't matter. Listen, it doesn't matter how much you have. You can, you can be very, very poor and be mastered by money. It doesn't equate to how much you have. It equates to how much it has you. That's a powerful statement right there. It's not how much money you have. That's the, 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 the really the, the, the telltale sign of whether you're mastered by money. You say, well, rich people, they're mastered by money. No, they got rich people that are more generous than the most poor people on the globe. Because they're free. Jesus said, Luke 16, 13, no servant can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, I wonder, I wonder what was more powerful in this rich man's life. What would you say? Was it money or was it God? Well, we know it was money because after Jesus told him, go sell your stuff and then come and follow me, he walked away sad. Not, it doesn't say he went to sell his stuff. It said he went away sad to say, man, I can't part. I can't get rid of it. And so Jesus said, man, you know what? It's hard for people that are mastered by money to enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus said, we'll either be controlled by our dollar bill or will be controlled by God. So you see, the reason why we learn, need to learn how to manage our finances properly is because it's really one of the biggest challenges in the Christian faith. I mean, some of us, you know, we would rather give time. I'll serve, but I ain't giving you no dollar. Come on, I'm speaking for somebody in here. I know it. See, the second reason we need to learn to manage our finances is because faithful financial management allows us to experience an open heaven. <laughs> Come on, help me there. Help me there, Mr. T. 
When you think of an open heaven, what comes to mind? What comes to mind? An open heaven. Well, you know, wouldn't you say it reminds you of the blessings of God, an open heaven? The blessings of God, heaven is open. Doesn't that kind of give you that connotation? You know, I believe an open heaven speaks of having the ability to receive the provisions of God. You know, the scripture talks about the dew of heaven. It talks about the bread of heaven. The scripture talks about the treasures of heaven. It also talks about the rewards of heaven. And so in John 3.27, John said this. He said, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from where, saints? From heaven. So I think you can deduct from that that all blessings and provisions come from heaven. Heaven is God's storehouse. It's his, his, his place that he keeps provisions and blessings. And so when heaven is open to us, God's blessings and provisions are made available to us. How many of you want an open heaven? You know, have you ever heard somebody say, I prayed and it seemed like heaven was closed or heaven was brass. Like my prayers wasn't going no higher than the ceiling. Like it was bouncing off of heaven's door. Whenever you talk about a closed heaven, it doesn't make you excited. When you talk about an open heaven, man, praise the Lord. Heaven is open. Amen. And so what is it that opens heaven's door? What is it that opens heaven? Well, I think according to scripture, faithful financial management opens the heavens on our behalf. And look at this verse in Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up for you the windows of and pour out for you a until it overflows. I think this really confirms what we just talked about, wouldn't you? So according to Malachi, the tithe opens the windows of heaven. That's what he said. He said, this is God speaking through the man of God. He said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there will be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven. Now we know the tithe is the tenth the 10th portion of all our increase. In biblical times, whenever they got 10 sheep, they would take one sheep and they would bring it to the, to the temple, to the church. Whenever they had uh, 10 bushels of, of grain, they would take one bushel and they would bring it to the temple. Leviticus 27.30 says this, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now, according to Malachi, when we choose to bring the tithe, the tenth of our increase, into the storehouse, it opens the windows of heaven, meaning a blessing will be poured out on us. Are y'all tracking with me yet? You still with me now? So does this mean, listen, does this mean that if I tithe, that God is obligated to financially prosper me? Well, it can but it doesn't necessarily mean that. And so sometimes we deduct that if we tithe, God is obligated to make us rich. 
And I don't think that's right. You know, listen, my experience uh, a few years ago, Tanya and I went to Mexico. We brought Olivia with us, and we went to see Brother Larry in Mexico, and he was showing us around, and he brought us into one of his churches. And it was a weekday. Nobody was in it. We went inside. As we walked in, he opened the doors. And when he opened the doors, light came in the building. There was no electricity. And we walked up to the front of the church, and I noticed something on the altar. And whenever I looked real close, there were some ears of corn, there was a little, little basket of beans. There were some vegetables there. And I looked at it and I, I said, Brother Larry, what is that? And he said, well, that's probably going to be supper tonight to feed the pastor from America. And then he went on to explain. He said, this is their tithe. This is the tithe of their land. And these people are faithful people. And they brought their tithe. And man, I'm like, whoa. And then after they brought their tithe, they went back to their grass huts. And he showed us some of their beds. They slept on boards. They cooked on an open fire. They had cracks in the walls where the, the north wind would come straight through. Now you look at that. Is God not honoring his word because they're not financially blessed? Does tithing mean that you got to be financially blessed? It can mean that, but not necessarily. Not necessarily. Are y'all still with me yet? You see, they were tithing, but they were having to live a primitive life. But I don't believe it means they, they weren't blessed. We had church service later that week and those people came into that building. They had more happiness and more joy than most Americans do. Amen. And so listen, my point is this. God promises to open heaven when we tithe. But when it says he will open heaven, it doesn't mean that we're all going to be financially wealthy. But I believe it might mean He'll answer your prayers when you need him the most. It might mean he'll fill your heart with peace when you go through the most difficult times of your life. It might mean he'll deliver you, your spouse, your children from some addiction or some from, from some troubled situation. It might mean he'll heal you when you're on your sick bed. I don't know exactly what it means, but only God knows exactly what we truly need. Amen. According to scripture, an open heaven might mean God's intervention against our enemy. And listen to what it says in verse 11. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. Now, God's blessing upon our life might mean receiving supernatural protection from demonic forces. He says, I will rebuke the devourer. God's blessing upon our life might mean that God's power will overcome Satan's enticement in our life to fall into habitual sin. How many of you know that's a blessing if God does that for you? Amen. God's blessing upon my life when I tithe might mean receiving supernatural protection over my children, over my people, over my possessions. You see, it's a different way of looking at it. But sometimes I think we get, we get disappointed. We get discouraged. 
We lose faith in God. If we start tithing and God doesn't all cause, you know, the, the blessing of the Lord to flood our house, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a wealthy person, although it could mean that. I remember when Brother Francis tells his story. By the way, I encourage you if you want to, Brother Francis' live message is on this subject and we have his series available. If you want that, just go to the, the media order form and, and you can get that. We'll give you that. But he talks about whenever God led him, a man challenged him and said, Brother Francis, if you'll tithe and God doesn't bless you, I'll give you your money back. It's like, oh, man, what a deal. I mean, this is money back guarantee, man. This is great. And so he by faith started tithing and, and nothing changed. He said, man, I was broke to begin with, so I'm going to be more broke now to tithe. You know, he had, he had children by Syrian sections, had medical bills, had all this going on. And then one day he's in town and he meets the, the pharmacist and the pharmacist says, Francis, where are you doing business? You remember that story? I love it. And he's like, what you mean why I'm doing business? Well, you hadn't been coming to get no medicine. And he's like, well, you know what? Come to think of it, I haven't needed any medicine. And he was able to pay his bill over there. Come on, how many of you know that's a blessing right there? If your tires don't wear out nearly as quick. Amen? Come on, how many of you know it's a blessing if your dryer don't break? Amen? Come on. How many of you know it's a blessing if, the devil, if God keeps the devil out of your house? That's a blessing. That's a blessing. Amen? Come on, that's a blessing right there. Malachi 3.11 says, Then I will rebuke the devourer for you. So, it, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your ground or the vine in the field will cast his graves. The blessing of God can mean, but doesn't necessarily mean financial prosperity. The third reason we need to learn to manage our finances is because faithfully handling finances keeps, helps keep our hearts continually right with God. Now, how many of you know that's most important? You know, you know, I remember years ago, I had this couple come up to me and say, Pastor Todd, I want you to marry us. I said, okay, why do you want to get married? Well, we love each other and we want to get married. And we want, uh, we, we want the blessing of God on our life. I said, well, that's a great reason to want to get married. I've had people, on the other hand, come up to me at, at the altar and say, uh, uh, this is my girlfriend and uh, we, we're living together and uh, I'd like you to pray a blessing over us. Well, I tell you what would bring more of a blessing in your house than me praying over you is you get right with God. How many of you know the blessing of God comes when we live right with him? You know, listen, you know, there's a story in the Bible where they wanted the man of God to bless them, but he couldn't. How many of you know when God blesses something, you can't get it off of them? And if God don't bless somebody, you can't get it on them. Amen. He's the blesser, right? And so, you know, the most important thing is that our heart is right with God. And the prodigal story is a reminder of how you can go from the banquet table of God's blessings and provisions to the pig's pen of evil and the world's enticement. I mean, here he was in, the, in the, his daddy's house. His daddy was wealthy. So therefore, as a, as a child, as a son of the, of the wealthy man, he was a recipient of his inheritance. But you know what? It reminds of 
The prodigal son reminds us of how you can become filled with greed and money and begin having a hunger for the things of the world and it gets you out of the banquet table and into the clutches of the evil one. You remember why that happened? It's because of his, the lure of his inheritance. You see, listen, a faithful financial manager helps keep you from the love of money. You see, think about it. This man was in his father's house. His, his father was wealthy. Whenever his father died, he would get what his father had. And as he started thinking about it, it's like, man, my dad's like, you know, well, he's probably got some years to live. I'm going to have to wait a long time for that money that I'm going to get when he dies. I can't wait. So he went and put pressure on his dad. Dad, I want my money and I want it now. Well, son, this is supposed to be coming to you whenever I die. I don't want to wait till you die. I want it now. It's what belongs to me and I want it now. And he forced his hand. He got his money. But there was something on the inside of him that was eating him alive. And it was the love of money. And the love of money took him down the road into the pig's pen. And you see, we read that story and we never see that it's the love of money that was really the root. It was his greed that was really the root. And so Hebrews 13, 5 says this, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. So Paul warns us to be careful not to fall in love with money. Why? Because if you fall in love with money, it will rob you of satisfaction and contentment of life. You know, you would think that if you had a million dollars, you would be happy. No. How many of you could point to somebody and say, no, that's not true. You know, why is it that people like we see in, in Hollywood that make millions and millions and millions of dollars take their own life? It's like, come on, man, you got all this money. Can't you be happy? Money will not bring you satisfaction. Money cannot bring you contentment. It can help. But it cannot give you total satisfaction. And that's what Hebrews is saying. He's saying, listen, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. In other words, be content. You see, the love of money can turn your heart from God and it can destroy your life. And that's why he deals with finances so strongly. Paul warned Timothy about the danger of money turning your heart from God. And he says, 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Wow, that's a, that's a pretty powerful verse right there. Now, notice it doesn't say that money is evil. Some people misquote the scripture and say, you know, money's evil. No, it's not. Man, money's a blessing if it's in the right hands. You see, whether it's evil or not, it depends on whose hands it is. Amen. But it doesn't say that money is evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. Think of how many people have been in prison because of the love of money. Think about it. Think about how many people go around lying because of the love of money. 
I wonder, you think any Christians lying at work? You think any Christians are, are stealing from work? Oh, no, 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 not Christians. Well, I don't know. It depends if they got love of money. Because the love of money can get you to do all kinds of evil. It can make you go in the, your neighbor's shed and steal something. I mean, that's the power of the love of money. And so Paul tells Timothy, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money, here's the greatest problem, have wandered away from the true faith and have pierced themselves with many sorrows. You see, it's amazing, but money has so much power. People, the more money you get, the more arrogant you become. The more money you have, the more controlling you become. Or you can become. It depends whether you're mastered by money or whether you master your money. Just depends. And so Paul encourages the church not to fall into the trap. See, the purpose of learning financial management is to always keep God first. That's really the root. You see, that's why, you know, there's something about tithing. And you would say, man, you know, man, aren't you glad God didn't say, give me nine and you keep one? <laughs> man, we'd be like, can I come stay at your house? I can't pay my bills. How about you, you know? And we would be huddling up together, right? But, you know, he says, okay, if you make $10, bring one to the storehouse. Bring one to church. Give it to me. Why does he do that? It's so that we're reminded that he's in charge. He's in control. And it helps keep the grip of money off of our life. You know, the only people that have trouble talking about money in church is people that have trouble with money. I got one amen on that. <laughs> Isn't it true? Deuteronomy 14.22 says, you must tithe all of your crops every year. Bring this tithe to eat before... the." Bring this tithe to eat before the Lord your God at the place he shall choose as his sanctuary. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn of your flocks and herds. Look at this part. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. See, the purpose of the tithe is to teach us to always put God first. So think about it like this, agriculturally speaking. Former gets out there, he's got this feel, he's got to go in there, he's got to clean the, he's got to clear out the ground, take out the trees, take out the rocks, take out, clear, then he's got to get there, you know, in biblical times with the ox and the plow, and then he's got to plow that field, and he's got to work that land, and then he plants his seed, and then he's got to count on rain to come at a certain time, and, and, and bad weather to not come at the, whenever he's got to harvest, and so he's got to rely on everything just being right, so that his crop comes up, and then he goes in with his sickle and he harvests his crop and then he's got this bundle of wheat. And then he looks at it and as a child of God, he says, all right, I got 10 bundles of wheat right here. I'm going to bring the first one to God. What is that man saying? That man is saying that if God's grace wasn't on his life, 
And if he wouldn't have rain, caused rain to come when he was supposed to, kept the locusts off his crop whenever they wanted to come, if God wouldn't have looked over his field to make sure that his crop came up, he would have no wheat in his bushels. So he's bringing it back to God and say, God, I'm not relying on my field or my wheat. I'm relying on you. And so, God, I just want you to know you are first in my life. Amen. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. And see, so what, what are we saying? We're saying the same thing. Whenever we obey the scripture, financial management means, first of all, tithing your income to the Lord. It's not because the Lord needs our money. Whenever we're long gone, he's going to continue to finance his kingdom. The purpose is to keep our heart right. The purpose of the tithe is to teach us to always put God First, see, this is how it goes. Money has power and influence. And so when you give God a tithe, you're actually giving God power and influence in your life. Why? Because nobody will give their money to just anybody. Right? And Jesus echoed this in Matthew 6, 21. He says, your heart will be where your treasure is. And so whatever you give to, your heart's going to follow that, right? You buy some stock, and you're going to be checking that stock every day. Why? Because you invested in it, and your heart's in it now, right? You sell that stock, you have no interest in that stock. But there's something about what we invest in, our heart follows, and that's what Jesus was saying. And so that was the whole purpose of God instructing Israel to bring tithes and offerings into the storehouse. That was his whole motive in, in, in doing it. If you go back to Malachi 3 now, in verse 7, he says this, For since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from the decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Then he says, will a man rob God? You are robbing me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. So God instructed Israel to begin bringing tithes and offerings into the house of the Lord. Why? So that he would, their hearts would turn back to him. And so listen, I, I believe the reason why tithing opens up the heavens is because it keeps our heart right with him. See, it's one thing to come to church. It's one thing to clap your hands. It's one thing to say, I love you, Lord. It, you know, Jesus said, some people, they give me lip service, but their hearts are not in it. But man, whenever you're willing to open up your pocketbook and serve the Lord with your pocketbook, your heart is in it. Come on, I'm preaching to y'all tonight, today, amen? I'm telling you, your heart is in it. And that's what God's after. Because he knows if he's got your heart, then he can bless your life. He can keep the windows of heaven open your life, open up all your life. Amen. And he's like, listen, you know, we could talk about these other things, but if we get this down, if we nail this one down, a lot of that other stuff is just going to fall into place. Amen. Because it has so much influence in our life. And now to conclude, let me just mention, faithful financial management keeps us positioned to be blessed of God. It keeps us positioned. 
In Malachi 3 and 7, it says, Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees, failed to obey them. Now return to me. Now we'll return to you, says the Lord of, of armies. But you ask, how will we return? When, how can we return when we have never gone away? Should people cheat God? Yet you've cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When, we, when did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Now, some people read that and say, no, no, no. God would never curse anybody. God would never curse anybody. God's a, a God of love. He's a God of compassion. He sent his son Jesus to die, to protect us, to watch over us. Well, let me just tell you a secret. I hate to tell you this, but we're all living under a curse. This world is under a curse. Since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the Bible says the earth groans waiting for its deliverance. Sin has caused the earth and everybody on the earth to be cursed. But you know what God says? I will break that curse off of you. I will break that curse off of you when you get your heart right with me. That's the key. When you get your heart right with me. Amen? So listen, financial management is really a matter of faith. You know, this is the one time, this is one time that God says, test me. Everywhere else in the Bible, he said, don't you test me. But this place, he says, test me now in this. You know what? It's really a matter of faith. Do you trust God or not? You see, tithing, using biblical stewardship, it's a matter of trust. When Brother Francis tells his story, he was broke to begin with, and they say, now, tithe. Are you kidding me? It's a matter of faith. you got to trust God. Do you trust God? You know, on our dollar bill, it says, it still says, I mean, I don't know how long they're going to allow us to keep that, all right? But for today, let me remind us that on our money, it says, in God in who we trust? In God we trust. Really? In God we trust. In God. Why do you think that ever got on the money that we use? In God we trust. They were trying to say, don't trust in dollar bills. Trust in God. And the Lord says, test me now in this. Come on, how many of you believe you can trust him with your finances? The question is, will you trust him with your finances? Amen. First Timothy chapter six and 17, the last scripture says, command those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share then this way they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Amen. God is saying to us, hey, don't be ruined by prosperity. You know, Brother Francis Borg told me this story about this uh, pastor in, in uh, Honduras. And he was doing good, man, love the Lord. He was pastoring a few churches and they decided they wanted to bless him and they gave him a bicycle. They gave him a bicycle, brand new bicycle. And do you know that bicycle ruined him? 
He fell away from the Lord because he thought in, there, in, in his community, a bicycle was like us getting a Camaro or something, you know. But it just ruined him. So God's saying, listen, don't let prosperity ruin you. Don't allow money to become your God. Don't put your hope and trust in the uncertainty of riches and wealth. Put your hope and put your trust in the God of heaven and the God of earth. Amen? Come on, let's stand together and let's pray. Thank you. How many of you received this this morning? Come on, just close your eyes for just a moment. and Please just, just hang with me for a moment. As we get ready to conclude, I just want to encourage you. I just want to encourage you to consider this. We're talking about open heaven. God says, I will open heaven. I mean, listen, what greater blessing than to have God on your side, than to have God's favor over your life? You know, we, we don't realize the trouble, the struggle, the turmoil that we go through whenever money's got a grip on our life. God understands that. He understands what it's like to not have faith and confidence in Him. So He positions us to not be robbed. And the way He does it is just saying, listen, the antidote to greed is giving. The antidote to keeping your heart right with me is giving to the Lord because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So can we just make a fresh commitment to the Lord this morning? Maybe some of you, it's time to take that step. Maybe it's time for you to step out of the boat. Maybe it's time to, for you to renew your commitment. I don't know. But it's between you and God. Let God just work in your heart and in your life this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, I pray that God, you would just cause your word to just set into our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would just give us the grace, God, to be delivered and set free from greed, from the love of money, from control. God, we, I pray right now that God, through our financial management, we would position ourselves to be able to receive the blessing that you have ordained and orchestrated for us to live in. Lord, I just commit the congregation and I commit every family to you today. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen.